You are listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, York Region. For more information, visit hbcyr.ca. Worthy are you, Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. Father, we thank you for the songs that we have sung that have prepared our hearts now to hear from your word. And we pray, God, that you would do in this place what only you can do. For the one who has come today who is hurting or far from you, we pray that as we see the Lord Jesus Christ, Father, they would be drawn and understand the work that Christ has accomplished. And for each one of us as children of God, Father, that we would rejoice in the work of Jesus Christ and the foundation that has been laid for us in Christ Jesus alone. Take your word, God, and do a work in us. Strengthen us to serve you for the fame of our Savior, Jesus Christ. We pray these things. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You can take your seats. And uh, while you're doing that, get your Bibles out and open them up to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We'll be diving in there in a moment as we continue our vertically challenged uh, series. The uh, message today is on a firm foundation. On a firm foundation. Uh, about, let's see, we've been here for 10, 11 years and we we're there for, see, about 27 years ago, uh, we bought a house up in Muskoka and uh, that house, beautiful house that it was, when you, when you went in from the outside entrance, you walked right into the kitchen. There was no place to put your coats. There was nothing like that. And, and so uh, if you live in Muskoka and understand winters, that means you open the door and the wind just blew right into your house. And so uh, my dad and I decided we were going to build a mud room onto the side of the house. It would be um, 8 by 12. And, um, but you can't just uh, stick it on the side of the house. You have to go to the town and you have to get permits. And there's things that they expect you to do. And one of the things that they expect you to do was make sure that it had a firm foundation. And so uh, just because it was was just an add-on to our house, we decided we would dig for the firm foundation by hand. It wasn't a big enough thing to get a machine, although I wished we had once we started digging. And uh, we had to get down four feet so that we could put the footings down, so that we could put the uh, uh, sauna tube on top, all filled with concrete, so that that building wouldn't shift. And so we started to dig, and it was sand. And, and then after a little while, we hit into clay, and we picked our way through that till we got down four feet. And then we uh, poured the concrete into the, uh, into the base, and then we put the tubes in, and then we started to build on top. Well, why was that so important? Well, because if you didn't dig down four feet, you didn't get below the frost. And then when the winter would come and the frost would come, and all of that would heave, and the building would shift, and the foundation was critical. If we didn't get the foundation right, all the rest that we were going to build eventually would be impacted by a poor foundation. When we uh, built the addition onto this church, there were two portables that used to be attached to the end of the building, and, and they went away, and we were building on, and, and uh, the town required us to build to a code so that if there was an earthquake, that building would stand up to a 7.0 earthquake. So if there's ever an earthquake, get out of here and get down there, because this is all going down, right? So, th- that foundation was so critical so that if something happened, a catastrophic event, it would hold, it would stand. The foundation uh, was important and the building had to be built up on top of that to do the same. Um, You build a building downtown that's going to be 40, 50 stories tall. The foundation is so critical. All that work and you wonder, is it ever going to go up? They just keep digging and digging and driving piles into the ground and 
If you don't get the foundation right, the rest of the building doesn't stand properly. And if you don't get it level and you don't get it set right, by the time you get up 50 stories, it's not just out by an inch or a quarter of an inch like it is at the bottom. It's out by inches, even a foot or so by the time you get to the top. So the foundation is important. And the foundation for us as followers of Jesus Christ is important as well. See, last week we took a look at a message about our purpose. And our purpose was to glorify God. Uh, That's the purpose. The purpose of our church is to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission, right? Through the, and then through this whole spirit of love. Glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission in the spirit of the Great Commandment. That's the purpose of our church. The purpose of our lives is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. And so the goal, the goal, the purpose is that we always have our eyes set on the glory. Our eyes set on the glory. Um, But that works out in our lives in this firm foundation. And that foundation is Jesus Christ. So you got your Bibles open. Let's stand together. We want to honor God as we read his word. And I'm going to start in uh, 1 Corinthians 3, verse 11. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else built upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold and silver and precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this word that we hold in our hands and the challenge that it brings to us. I pray, God, your spirit would stir in us to listen carefully to what your word has to say. Give us ears to hear. Father, give us a desire to hear what you want to tell us today. And give us minds to be able to comprehend the truth of it. And and then, Lord, give us the faith to live out what we're going to hear today. This foundation we have in Jesus Christ is an awesome foundation. It's the only foundation. And yet, Lord, if we're honest with ourselves, we so often lean on our own understanding. And so, God, guide us through your truth. Do your work for your glory, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. You can take your seats. Well, if you go to our website or look in your bulletin, you'll see that at HBCYR, we say, our foundation is Jesus Christ. Now, we talk about it a lot around here. I talk about how we seek to live out of the gospel. Our foundation is Jesus Christ. Um, He is the amazing rock on which we we stand. He is the footing on which we build. And uh, with him, there is no shifting sand And um, so today we want to talk about uh, this foundation, vertically challenged on a firm foundation. So here's the first thing we want to do. We just want to walk through this passage, look at it uh, verse by verse. The first one is the foundation. And I wrote down beside that, I wrote, get it right. The foundation, get it right. Look what verse 10 says. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds 
upon it. Notice the first thing Paul says in this text. He does this over and over and over again in his writings. He says, um, he brings grace into the picture. Here he says, according to the grace of God. According to the grace of God. Paul is always reminded of the grace of God in his life. Uh, not the last song, but the song before that we sung. sung the line in it was, in the wonder of your grace. In the wonder of your grace. According to the grace. Do you stop? Do you ever stop and wonder at the grace of God? I wonder why a God who is holy and just and pure would love you or would love me. A God who is perfect in all that he is would look down at you or look down at me and, and, and then have a desire for a restored relationship with us. A God who owed us nothing would send his son Jesus Christ to die for us. Wonder at the grace of God. Unmerited favor. I get what I don't deserve. A relationship with God, a relationship with Christ. I get eternal life. I get heaven. I get all of those things. And I don't get what I do deserve, separation from God and hell, separated from God for eternity. I don't get why, because of the grace of God. And so Paul, Paul starts here, according to the grace of God, it should cause us to live in wonder, in awe of all God has done and how he is working in our lives. It's so important as we consider this foundation and we get it right that we understand a little bit about, about this grace, this unmerited favor. Paul talks about it here in Ephesians 2, the verse you hear me quote him all the time. For by grace are you saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. It's not of works so that no one can boast. We're going to come to works in this message, but works don't save you. Works never save you. What saves you is the work of Jesus Christ. For by grace you've been saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. It's not of works so that no one could ever boast. And so Christ did this work on the cross, coming, living, dying, being raised again on the right hand of God, interceding on your behalf right now so you could have this gift of eternal life. It should cause us to live in awe. It should cause us to live in wonder. We should consider it daily in our lives. And if you're here today and you've never trusted Christ, this claim that Christ has made, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him, not works for their salvation, not tries harder, not signs up for something, whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And this gift is available and all you do is you receive the gift and you are saved. It's an amazing work. According to the grace, grace that saves me, and then grace that keeps me. All Paul has done in his life, all that is accomplished is because of the favor of God. His status as a worker for God is because of the grace of God. His appointment to serve God was because of the grace of God. The skills that he has that he has shown is because of the grace of God. The quote unquote, the success that he had was because of the grace of God. 
According to the grace of God given to me, he goes on, he says, like a skilled master builder, I have laid a foundation. I've laid a foundation. So Paul's talking to this church in Corinth, which had its struggles for sure, no different than our church in some ways, people who are struggling, sometimes sinful, uh, being restored, being made right. And this foundation that he laid, he planted this church. You find that if you want to look this afternoon in Acts 18. You can go and look and see where this a church is planted. He said, I I laid the foundation. Like a skilled master builder, I laid the foundation. That idea of a skilled master builder from the Greek would be as an architect. He's not saying that he was better than the others because the verse says, he says, like a skilled master builder, I laid the foundation and then someone else built upon it. He's not saying I did the hard work and then somebody else built upon it. No, that's not what he's saying at all. But what he's saying is that, that I did this work, I laid this foundation, I started this church, and now other people, other people are coming alongside and they're building on it. Happens in our church every week. Um, so I preach or Jason preaches or somebody preaches on the weekend and, and lays a foundation for the week. And then we get in small groups and home and others build upon it. Small group leaders all over the city meet together and they lead their small groups and they have discussion and they pray and they commit themselves to grow in Christ. And so a foundation is laid and then others build on it. And that's what he's saying here. I laid a foundation and others are building on it. Each person's part is important in this process. If you're teaching in Awana, you have an important part in the process we want to make sure that we get it right, that each one take care how he builds on it. See, there's only one foundation for the church. And um, the foundation for the church is not social programs. They're not wrong. The foundation of the church is not a better building. Well, that wouldn't be wrong. The foundation of the church is not more people or more money. The foundation of the church is Jesus Christ. And that's really what he's getting to here. The foundation that we build on is Jesus Christ. The foundation, make sure you get it right. Let each one take care how he builds on it. Now look down at verse 11. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Which is Jesus Christ. Christ. There's lots of paths in this world that people say take you to God and Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. Uh, people are trying to be right with God by trying harder and working smarter and it doesn't lead you to God. Um, works mentality in your salvation, for your salvation, doesn't bring you to God. Foundation is laid, which is laid, which is Jesus Christ, for there's no other foundation. There's no other foundation. Uh, this means that no church can be reared which does not embrace and hold the true doctrines respecting Jesus Christ. Everything gets focused back to who is Jesus Christ. I love that. That's right in the front of our, our foundation is Jesus Christ. Our foundation is Jesus Christ. Our foundation is Jesus Christ. And so every ministry that we do in our church, it comes out of that foundation. And when we get our eyes off of that foundation, you may be doing quote unquote good things, but those good things have lost their focus 
in so many churches across our nation have lost their focus and they've become about those things and they're no longer about Jesus Christ. Do we need to feed the poor? Of course we do. Do we need to help those who are in struggle? Of course we do. But we do it in the name of Jesus Christ because he is the foundation. The first message that needs to be given is Christ. Now, we need to demonstrate love. You don't just bring truth without love. We always need to wrestle with that balance. But the foundation, the foundation is Jesus Christ. The foundation is not Mary. The foundation is not Peter. The foundation is not programs. The foundation is Jesus Christ. So let's look at the second thing. Now let's look at the builder. I wrote beside that. God uses his people. Uh, Back to verse 10, this last part of verse 10. I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. So he says, I laid the foundation. We see that in Acts 18. And another, other teachers, uh, they build on it. You know, the good doctrine that's taught in our church is protected by the elders. And in some ways, the lead teaching on that is done by me. But then each one of you has a role in that in your life. This is not just a message about the preacher getting up and preaching and how he builds upon what somebody else does. No, you are all building on that. Each one of you, as you serve, as one of you as you serve in your family, are building on that. If you're a follower of Christ, you're part of this, whether you, you want to be or not, and you're going to see the results of it as we get further into the message. But we have this foundation, and you're building upon it. Uh, you work with the cubbies, and you work with the cubbies, and you're building upon that foundation. Uh, You serve with the youth and you lead the women and you're building on that foundation. Uh, You lead a small group or you you serve in an area, you're building on that foundation. God loves to use his people. I'm I'm always, it's an area of of how God works that always mesmerizes me. I love to watch it and see it because God doesn't need us to get the word out about Jesus Christ. He could do it a different way. And sometimes he does. You hear about people who walk into a motel room and they pull out a Gideon Bible and they read John and they get saved. And they've never been to a church before in their life and they don't know up from down. And it happens, but it's not the way it generally happens. See, God calls us his ambassadors. We are the ones that are his representatives. And God has placed us in this world to be the message bearers, to be the one who communicate the word of Jesus Christ. And so Paul says, so I laid a foundation and others are building on it. This church has come to a grinding halt as it relates to its teaching. If it stops just in this room for one hour and 15 minutes every week, it doesn't, it goes on in so many different areas where tentacles are out and people are teaching the word of God. And, and so you are the builders We are the builders. People trust Christ and they need to be discipled and grow up in their faith. And and that happens as we teach them and we help them. Jesus told Peter when he restored him, Peter, feed my lambs. Feed my lambs in John 21. And that's a 
That's a passion that we all need to have. That's a priority we all need to have. That's what God has called us to, and he calls us to it even in this text. There's no other foundation which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. But he said, I laid the foundation. Someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. Well, then he goes on in the text, and he talks about the building materials that we use. And I wrote beside that point for myself, don't cheap out on your service don't cheap out on your service. Um, I used to direct a Christian camp and um, working with staff. And every once in a while, we would see people, and I could be guilty of this too, becoming kind of complacent in what we're doing. And you would use words like, it's good enough. It's good enough. And every once in a while, I had to be reminded on my own that good enough isn't. Right? Good enough isn't. Um, I hope if you're serving in Awana or you're a small group leader or um, if you work in our youth or you're a greeter at the door and if you ever find yourself saying, well, it was good enough. It's not. Good enough isn't. It's not what God desires from us. It's not what he wants from us. We're going to talk about the building materials that we're called to use in this process, and good enough isn't part of that picture in our lives. And so if you serve in Awana, and it's like, okay, we got this Wednesday done, check. You're in the good enough category. It's not good enough. Now, believe me, there's a tension in serving the Lord when it's like, well, I could always do better. I could always do better. Every Sunday I get home after church, and I go, oh, I could have done better. And uh, you can drive yourself crazy with that kind of thinking. You need, you need to be faithful. You need to uh, work hard. You need to prepare. You need to serve well in whatever God's called you to. But you can't become lackadaisical. Good enough isn't. Uh, do your best and serve well. But if you serve in Awana or Harvest Youth, and it's a, you're like, well, you know, I'm about to be a member of the church. Here's what I got to do, and I got to have this, and I got to have this, and I got to have this, and I got to serve. So I'll go and work with those little rugrats on Wednesday, and then I'll come home, and then, and then George won't bug me about my membership because I'm doing something for Jesus. God wants our best. He wants us to serve well. And um, we're called to do that in our lives if anyone build, now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold and silver and precious stones, wood, hay, and straw, we see that the building materials vary in quality. Um, some are precious things, and some are unworthy materials. Um, I believe that as uh, Paul is painting this picture, he's really helping them to uh, remember and look back and see how the temple was built. Um, in 1 Chronicles 22, 14 to 16, it says, With great pains I have provided for the house of the Lord 100,000 talents of gold, a million talents of silver, and bronze and iron beyond weighing, for there's so much of it, timber and stones, um, too, I have provided. To these you must add, you have an abundance of workmen, stonecutters, masons, carpenters, and all kinds of craftsmen, craftsmen without number, skilled in working gold and silver and bronze and iron. Arise and work. The Lord be with you. The Lord be with you. And so build with these precious materials uh, that you have and make sure the building that you're doing is part of the process in the kingdom of God is materials of gold and silver and precious stones. Precious stones isn't specifically in this context a picture of um, like diamonds or pearls. It's a picture of, of great big slabs of stone that were precious, that were hard to work with. And 
So he says, make sure you're building with the right kind of materials because the, 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 the strength of the building, which needs to be on this foundation, needs to be built with the best, the best materials. And those materials in our church are available for all of us. And so as you think about your service, as you think about what you're doing, is it durable? Is it going to last? Are you being faithful in what you're doing? As, as you think about where you're serving in our church today and think about what well, God looks down at, does he see my, my heart for this, my passion for this, my caring for these people, whether it's the smallest little children or it's older adults? Do, do I have the right motives? Do I have the right heart? Am I building with gold and silver and precious stones or am I building with well I got to get this done let's get going honey we'll get home in a couple of hours and it'll be over wood hay and stubble it's interesting in this uh, metaphor this uh, picture um, it's really talking about the materials we use and um it's interesting that as he thinks about it and talks about it, his main point is to encourage building with quality materials that will meet with God's approval and will receive eternal reward. And so as I'm called to serve and you're called to serve, do we think what we're doing through the lens of God's approval and eternal reward? Gold, silver, and precious stones. Well, what do they look like in our church? How do we even try and quantify that? How do I try and quantify that in my life? And not so that it becomes, okay, well, this is it. Now it's just a little check, check, check. Again, that changes your heart and you end up with wood, hay, and stubble in the end. But, you know, there's some things that we have in our church that we would say this is how we would define what gold and silver and precious stones are as, as we seek to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission in the spirit of the Great Commandment. We talk about this church is built on four pillars, four pillars. So everything we do goes through the grid of the four pillars, and, uh, and so I believe those things in our church would represent things that would be gold and silver and precious stones. Now, the first one is about the word of God, proclaiming the authority of God's word without apology. And so we take this book and we preach it. We just go through verse by verse or, or everything that we teach that comes from here is, is focused on the word of God, proclaiming the authority of God's word and not apologizing for what God's word says. Now, you got to understand if you're going to do that in your life, you're not going to sit well in the world. Because the world doesn't want to know what this book says. This book points towards our foundation, Jesus Christ. You can virtually talk about anything else in the world except Jesus Christ. But this is where the gold and silver and the precious stones are. And so in our church, uh, we would talk about that in the context of a pillar proclaiming the authority of God's word without apology. Now, that doesn't mean we do it with arrogance or pride or to hurt people, but we do it with confidence knowing this is God's word. And so in your life, where is the proclaiming of God's word without apology? Because that's the kind of building material that is gold and silver and precious stones. In our church, we believe in lifting high the name of Jesus in worship 
Um, this whole service was designed around this idea of a foundation. From the beginning uh, video after the announcements about the sand and the rock to the songs that we sung, it was all to help us focus vertically towards God and what he's teaching us about the grace of Jesus Christ poured out for us. The whole thing, right? Because we want to lift high the name of Jesus in our worship. And so we do that corporately when we come together. And we need to do that individually as we worship God. The songs we sing are vertical songs. They're not horizontal songs. It doesn't mean that everything horizontal is wrong. It has a place in relationship, but our purpose in our worship when we come together, the songs we sing virtually are prayers. They're things that we're, we're looking to God for or hearing from him about. And we need to make sure in our private worship, we have that same thing going on that we make sure that we're in the word and we're reading what it says and what God is telling us. And we need to uh, be, be singing songs that get us focused vertically as we think about who he is, proclaiming the authority of God's word without apology, lifting high the name of Jesus in worship, believing firmly in the power of prayer. And we believe firmly in the power of prayer. I believe that's one of the key gold and silver and precious stones in our church and in our lives. I was just thinking about this this morning. I asked Sue when we got into the service the, this morning um, at um, 8.30, there were nine men, um, elders and key staff guys up in the boardroom praying for this service and for God's blessing on us today. And um, there were eight women that were downstairs praying for women's ministry uh, that's going on in our church that God would bless it and use it. Uh, right now, there are a group of people at the other end of the building praying for our services that are going on and See, we don't, we don't just talk about it. We believe firmly in the power of prayer. We believe it makes a difference. I told you um, last week that where we, in the, we were in the Philippines, people were praying for us, praying that God would work. Sue wrote an amazing prayer. I put it up on, on Facebook about what she was praying for me. Um, every, every time I come down to the church to preach, we're coming down the road. She goes, you're gonna have to stop talking because I gotta pray. Like, I have a hard time stop talking. Maybe you've seen that in my life, but... Uh, and she prays for me. She prays that God's work would be done in our church, that people would get saved. And, and uh, so she was praying for us when we were in the Philippines and others were praying. And uh, while we were there, uh, two people got saved. I don't think in this service I told you who those people were, but I want to tie it not only to the last pillar, but to the pillar of prayer. And Nathaniel Pablo, if you ever go on his Facebook page, he's like quoting scripture and sayings and all that. He needs to be your friend on Facebook just to encourage you. So... Um, He'd been praying for family members as we were going to the Philippines. And so on the Sunday afternoon, the service that we were at, um, I had the privilege to preach. I told him the story of my heart attack, Psalm 73, 26. And his brother was there. He'd been praying for his brother for a long time. And his brother trusted Christ in that service. Why? Because the preacher did such a great job? Because God did a great job. Because he had prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. The other person I know, I'm only telling you the stories about the people I know about. There might have been other people who got saved. I don't know their story. But on the Wednesday, I believe it was, the days are a little fuzzy for me, but on the Wednesday, we gave him some time to go and be with his family, and his cousin was there. She'd been at the service as well and challenged her with the gospel, and she trusted Jesus Christ as her Savior. That man prayed for them. Their family prayed for them. We believe firmly in the power of prayer. That's gold and silver 
and precious stones. The fourth pillar in our church is sharing the good news of Jesus with boldness. Um, how can we do that? I do that every time I preach. Right in that first point, I talked about the grace of God, the grace of God, the grace of God. For by grace, you've been saved through faith. Have, have you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior? That's pretty easy to do in this room. But where's the proclamation in our lives? The good news that we have. Paul's like overwhelmed with the grace of God in his life. See, that's gold and silver and precious stones. We talk about building disciples in our church through worshiping and walking and working for Christ. We have a passion to reproduce, reproducing churches. That's in church planning. That's our passion as a church. See, I believe those things done with the right spirit, the right heart, the right desire are, are the gold and silver and precious stones in our lives. Make sure those things are in your life. Don't just be a consumer of church. But rather, where are you serving? How is God using you? What's being built for the kingdom of God? Because you're here. Nobody's on the bench. You're like, oh, no, you don't know what I've been through. You don't know what I've done. Church could never use me. It's not true. It's not true. And uh, if, if somebody ever tells you that, then you just knock on my office door, and we'll sit down and have a chat, and then I'll sit down and have a chat with them. We're all called to serve. We're all part of this work to build with gold and silver and precious stones but not with wood and hay and stubble, which is ends that are for your own glory or passion for your own things or, or things that aren't driving us with a, with, a, with a view towards Jesus Christ in what we do. Build with gold and silver and precious stones, not wood, hay, and stubble. Well, why? Why? Well, there's a test. There's a test. Beside this, I wrote in my notes, check your heart, check your heart. Verse 13 says, each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose, disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. Time and the judgment will reveal the true quality of our work. The fire will test what sort of work each one has has done. When God tests our work, it'll be revealed what was done for the king, what was done for the servant, and what was not done. What was wood and hay and stubble or straw will be burnt up and it'll be gone. What's gold and silver and precious stones, the fire, it will refine those things. It's not about the amount of work, according to this text, that's going to be evaluated, although I'm sure that has some relevance, but it's about the quality of the work. It's about the priority. It's about the focus of this work. It says, um, everyone's work will become manifest for the day. The day will disclose. The day will show what kind of work you have done. This is a reference to the day when believers will stand before God and give an account of the stewardship of, of what we've done with our lives for the day. It's a picture that's used in other places in Scripture. Malachi 3 and verse 2 says, But who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire. 1 Peter 1 7 says, So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Christ Jesus. There's a test, and the test comes in the judgment, and the test is fire. 
and it's to see what's left of what you've done as you've served the Lord and how much of it gets burned up and you look down and there's nothing left. Or you look down and you see the gold and the silver and the precious stones. I love the picture he gives because it, it really helps us to get a, a focus on, on then on the results. That's the last point of this message today, the results. Beside that, I wrote down, consider the outcome of your service. Consider the outcome of your service. Verse 14 says, um, if the work that anyone was built on the foundation survives, he'll receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Think about Jeremiah, who served so faithfully with so little to show for it, but obviously received a well-done, good, and faithful servant. The verse, our, our verse for our marriage is, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Now, there's going to be a test. There's going to be a test of fire to see what's left. But what's done for the Lord is never in vain because it's gold and silver and it's precious stones. Verse 14 is about it. About it. If it survives, if it survives. So think about your heart and where you're serving Christ today. And is your heart in a right place? Is your heart in a good place? Are you serving for the glory of God? Because then it will survive. And it says, if it survives, we will receive a reward. God is a rewarder. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. God's a rewarder of those who serve faithfully. I like to think this picture of gold and silver and precious stones is more about the little crown that could be there. Maybe it's just going to be a little ring. I don't know what's going to be. After all of it's tested, what's left? And God gives reward. I believe we'll take all of those rewards and we'll put them at the feet of Jesus. Are you going to receive a reward? Or as you think about the way you've served over the last six months or a year or whatever, it's like, yeah, I pretty much just got through the grind. Well, that's what will be left, the grind. But if we serve with the right heart, with a desire to serve the foundation, Jesus Christ, there will be a reward which we will give to God. And I think that will be an awesome, awesome day. Now, remember, it's not our works that save us, right? We talk about this all the time, and Paul demonstrates that in this text. I love how he does it because that's the second part in verse 15. What if it doesn't survive? What if it doesn't survive? If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss. There it is. But though he himself will be saved though he himself will be saved. Now, if you have no works, if there's nothing there, if there's no fruit in your life, you need to be asking yourself the question, am I saved, right? But there are people who are in the church who come every week and who smile beautifully and do their thing, and at the end of it all, there'll be nothing left. But you'll still be saved. Because by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It's a gift from God. It's not of works so that no one can boast. And so we don't do these things to get saved. We do these things because of the one who is the foundation. And we want to build on that foundation with gold and silver and precious stones. 
See, that's what we need to be going for. That's what we need to be going after. I think about this verse, and I wrote this down, or I found this, but it says, it's a sobering thought that many, many people who believe they are serving God but are doing it in an unworthy manner or, or with unworthy materials will come to find in eternity that they have in reality done nothing for the Lord. Now, they'll be saved, but there'll be nothing for the crown. And so when the test of fire comes, how will your service, how will it weigh out? What will be left? What are you really going for? You're like, well, I got Jesus. That's enough. It'll, I'll squeak in. I'll just you barely make it. Or do you want to have something that you can give to the king? Because you've been faithful in your gold and silver and your precious stones. Well, so what? So what? At Harvest Bible Chapel, York Region, we say our foundation is Jesus Christ. Make sure you've got the foundation right. You get the foundation wrong, the rest of the building crumbles. Our foundation is Jesus Christ. And yet God loves to use his people to build for his kingdom. The material we use is precious material. The material we use to teach our children and teach our youth and build one another up in the faith is precious. Would we treat it that way? Check your heart because there is a test. And then consider the outcome of your service. Lord, what is it you're teaching me today? What, what is it? Why did I come to church? What did I hear in this message that will help me to be a servant of God living for the glory of God, living vertically, right? To build with the tools that we use to bring glory to our Savior, Jesus Christ. Maybe you need to get before the Lord this afternoon and reconsider your heart. You're like, well, I guess I won't serve in Awana anymore. No, 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 no. That's what I'm saying. Check your heart. Don't quit. Fix the problem. And do what you do for the glory of the one who is the foundation, Jesus Christ, the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the challenge of it. Thank you for the way it stirs in us. Thank you for the reality that Paul cries out in this text about your grace, your grace, your grace, how awesome your work is. That foundation is Jesus Christ. Now, God, help us. Help us to live the fullest we can for your fame and your glory, building with gold, silver, precious stones. For the fame of our Savior, Jesus, we pray these things. Amen. Amen.